0: 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 11-17, a section that I have entitled, Integrity of Ministry. 2 Corinthians based on ministry. 1 Corinthians sets it out for you and I to see what personal holiness is. And once you've got that done, then you move into 2 Corinthians and you see the task that is at hand. Let us pray and then we'll read verses 11-17. through 17. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Give us ears to hear. Father, give us hearts ready for your word. And that, Father, we may look upon this in the awe and the splendor of God's holy writ. Father, I thank you for our brother Paul. And the heartache and the suffering that he had to endure in his ministry. And yet, Father, he blazed a trail, a path for each and every one of us. Father, please lay it upon our heart that it is the eternal things that we are must long for it is the eternal things that have eternal reward and father may our labors be gold and silver and precious stone and not wood hay and stubble thank you lord for this text thank you for your spirit thank you for your precious bride your church and father thank you for your mercy and grace that is new with every breath you grace us in christ's name amen Beginning in verse 11, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also to your conscience. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves... It is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore... From now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, new things have come. We are looking at a section here that the Apostle Paul is walking a very fine line. And it is dealing with his integrity. One of the things that I have witnessed and one of the things that I have seen in Paul's life is um, there was always an assault on his integrity. Uh, Anytime he planted a church, established a church, and then when he would move on, the false would come in and make accusations. Because one of the key weapons that the enemy will use in spiritual warfare is that if I can get you to question the integrity of the teacher, then I can come in and teach false right behind him. But see, if you trust the teacher, then I can't bring you a lie. So the attack that would always come on the foundation the the foundation truth teacher will always be can you trust him. And and you've been around long enough all of you they can bring accusations they don't have to have any basis. You've heard of the statement a lie get around the planet before truth gets its shoes on. Okay? And one of the things the apostle Paul is trying to do here is he understands this awesome battle because the church is in, in, in a dire position. If they, the Corinthian church doubts the integrity of the apostle Paul, then they are wide open for false teaching. All right? And that's, that's why we are taught in 1 Timothy you do not take an accusation against an elder unless there's two or more witnesses. Because if I can get the congregation not to believe in the leadership, I've destroyed the church. Okay, And it's instantaneous, just like that. Because what happens is, as soon as there is a doubt of the integrity of the teacher, spiritual growth stops. And I mean, it is flat out over the handlebar stop. Boom, just like that. And as soon as the spiritual growth of the congregation stops, then any of the church's abilities in the community is stopped. Okay? And you know what happens next? They call it church split. Because you'll have those who are in the congregation. I am of Paul. And those of the critics will go over here. And you have a dysfunctional body of Christ. And it has absolutely no purpose. And it takes usually years to get that to come back together. Um, I have been through it in this church. Uh, when you've, This is the only church that I've ever been in in my life. Um, and I have seen this church go through this so many times that it, I, I can't even begin. I, I, don't, I don't know how to count it. And it always started with the same thing. Let me cause people to doubt the integrity of the teacher. Now, some cases, <laughs> the teacher's integrity needs to be questioned. Okay, uh, you've been around long enough to see those scandals. Okay, but what the apostle Paul is saying is, is that when it comes to the integrity of the minister, now listen: if you're saved, you are a minister. Please understand that. All right. And one of the things that I have watched in the evangelical body is there are people who are not serving the Lord and the reason is their integrity. I, have you ever seen some of them Christians? You know, why would I listen to you when I see your actions? I remember when I first came to salvation, there was a guy, I, I was in the construction business and there was a guy who was in leadership of the church and he, was, uh, he, he drilled caissons for foundations. And uh, he's the biggest crook i ever seen in my life. And yet he was in leadership of the church. Why? Well, he was a big giver. And it, this was early, well, mid-80s. And, you know, he was still making money. But he was a crook. I mean, he was... I don't have any other way to say it. And I kept thinking, how can you be in leadership and you're a crook? I've never seen anything like it. And yet I watched... His quote unquote ministry, and there was nothing there. I mean he was always busy, but when you really look at fruit, there wasn't there, none of his crews were saved. why they weren't for a crook, they knew it. okay, so what do you have that i don't already have and and I see a lot of people who are in that mode, but one of the things that I 've also watched in the church is if I can come in. And all it takes is one person to question the integrity of the leadership. And, but what you will always, always see is that they want to get allies. Okay? And they get enough allies out, then they'll start calling out through the congregation and say, well, you know, I've seen this and I don't, I'm just not sure about that. I had hung some lights uh, in a liquor store down here in Castle Rock. Uh, the guy went with these energy efficient. Light bulbs or light fixtures. So I went in and, uh, you know, give him a bid. And he said, that's great. So I went in and put the lights up. One day I was coming out and I stole my ladder in the back of the truck. And somebody in the community seen the Baptist preacher coming out of the liquor store. Okay. And immediately I started hearing, what was you doing in the liquor store? Robbing it. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> But, but you, but it's just, and you know what? The little group of people say, I've seen him coming out of a liquor store. So, but did he have a gun in his hand? (laughs) But these are the kinds of things that you have to be real careful with. All right. And there's times you see some people have seen me riding my motorcycle. Well, I can't believe you're riding a motorcycle. Why do you ride a motorcycle? It's easier than pushing it. It's simple. And they said, well, I seen you riding the other day and you didn't have a helmet on what the law in colorado says i can do okay you should have seen me going through the school zone (laughs) but see you get these kind of things and you sit there and you go well this is crazy so one of the things that i have also learned is you never see the apostle paul defend himself now then what we're looking at here he's defending his integrity okay big difference Okay, because if my integrity becomes under attack. Okay, then the ministry stops. Okay, you can't do anything. If the people ain't believing. Have you ever run into. Are you ready for this? The Christian hypocrite. Who says one thing and. Does another. Okay, if you're in leadership. And you get caught doing that, you're done. You're done. One of the things that I've watched in my years in the, in, in the body of Christ is, you can have a national scandal of, of a pastor, okay? And it goes across the board to every Christian, all right? These are the kinds of things, but it always goes across. I remember, do you remember Waco? Okay, David Koresh, he's a Christian, Let's all get us some guns and hold out. All right. No, he's not a Christian. He's a Davidian. He thinks he's David. Okay. And these are the things that you have to be careful about because I will also give you this warning. At some point in your life, you're going to all of a sudden, it's going to dawn on you that the things of God are way more important than what you got going. And I'll be honest with you, I've already began praying that for all of you. All right? As soon as you make that step, guess what? The bullseye is on your back, and they're gonna look for it. And one of the things you'll find is as your ministry, as your service to the Lord Jesus Christ gets bigger and bigger the attack on your integrity will grow to that very standard. And that's what Paul is wanting to show you and I here. Because when you think about defending your integrity, we looked at it last week, you do it for the Lord. Remember what we looked at King David, Psalm 78, 72? With integrity of heart and skill of hand, he shepherded Israel. Okay, The shepherding was something that he learned from his father. OK, the integrity of heart is what he had for his Lord. So he says here, because of the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. OK, sometimes people will say, well, I'm persuading men. and This is trying to get people saved. Second Corinthians is not an evangelistic text. Nowhere in there. It is a strengthening text for the saints. All right. And so what he's trying to persuade men, when you see that word in the original language, it literally means to seek favor. Okay, what is he seeking favor of? He's wanting them to see his life favorably. He had lived in Corinth for 18 months. He had been there. There was no church in Corinth when Paul got there. And then God, through the synagogues and winning over the chief priests of the synagogues and things like that, he a church grew up. And flourished and he says I need you to go back to that and think about the 18 months that I was with you day and night And in doing that, I need you to think well of me You've got to remember those times, you know, I have been truly blessed because it's uh, so like I said I have been this is the only church I've ever been in I mean I've been a bit of part of been involved with okay, so a lot of people in this church have known me for years I'm doing second generation weddings. All right. So there's a long going standard here. So we know each other and you guys still put up with me. But anyway, but we persuade people to remember who, you know, remember, he said, I have committed to your conscience. Okay. Your conscience will always be based on the information that it has. Some of you have known me for a long time. You have a lot of information on who I am and what I do. All right? Some of you are new. You don't have that amount of information. Talk to the ones who know me. Okay? Then, it is because of the fear of the Lord, he says. Okay, the word fear of the Lord has nothing to do with, oh my God. Alright, it isn't a fearful thing, it is an awe thing, a reverence thing. Okay? I am such awe of who God is, I have got to think favorably of this man of God who has taught me. Okay? Which brings me to verse 12. Verse 12 deals with why does he defend his integrity? Because it's for the church. Look at verse 12. This is a real fascinating verse. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. All right. Paul knew. Paul knew. That the accusations against him, the criticisms, all right, hurt the church. Okay? It's easy to see. I mean, it's easy to see. If you go look at 1 Corinthians, uh, the first six chapters, he's dealing with the disunity in the church. Why? Because the false had come in and were saying, you can't trust Paul. And remember, some of the church was, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Christ. You know, the real spiritual giants. Okay, but you can look at that foundation and you can say, this thing has got so many schisms in it, and it's called by division. The Apostle Paul is trying to bring that back across and saying, do you not remember what you learned and what you've seen? Because once the accusations get in there, people start thinking about it. And it's just amazing to me, and I've had this happen before to myself personally, and... People get mad because I don't defend myself. And I said, All I have to say is, look at their fruit and look at my fruit. You decide. And I leave it at that. And people, well, but I just don't okay, see ya. There are 54 churches in this town. Find one. Okay? And and, and I don't fight that. I, I'm not here to make for my sake. Paul's not defending for his sake. He's defending his integrity for the sake of the Lord because he's in awe of him and for the unity of the church. You get groups trying to discredit leadership and that is the quickest way that I have ever seen to split up a church, to break the harmony and the unity of the church. We sang it this morning. Revive us again. We sang it, unity be restored. The only way unity, I remember years ago, I kept thinking, doctrine divides. Okay, and I kept thinking, yeah, that makes sense. But as the more I've studied my scriptures, I've realized that doctrine unites. And if we have a disagreement in doctrine, then let us be humble about it. And as Isaiah said, reason together over the scriptures. But see, one of the things that I have learned is very few people look at the scriptures; they just come with their opinion. And I've never seen anything like that. Because you would think of something as important as your eternal destiny, yeah, you know, I probably ought to take the manual on it. Paul understood that if you discredit the leadership... Once the trust is lost, spiritual growth is over. Do you hear what I just said? Once the trust in the leadership is lost, spiritual growth stops instantaneously. Instantaneously. And we have a hard time with that in the United States. For some reason, we like to stay with the goofballs who need to step down. Sometimes... We've been burned and we don't trust nobody. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't trust the men that God has put over you in the church, go find another place. Please go find another place. Because without that trust, then you're going to have your opinion about everything and it'll always be at odds. And we submit to the authorities that are over us. Don't we? Well, maybe we don't. Same words that you see here. We're not commending ourselves. The same thing you see over in chapter 3, verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? He's used this before. Um, See, here's what happens. I've seen it in the life of the Apostle Paul. I've experienced it in my own ministry. As soon as you try to defend yourself, the false, the critics... Will accuse you of pride. Instantaneous. All right. And let me tell you something. That's a tough place to be. It is a tough place to be. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says my conscience is clear. Not that I'm perfect. Why? Because it is God who judges. Okay. And your conscience. Every one of us has a conscience. And our conscience will operate on the amount of knowledge that we have. And. And. As soon as you start saying something about commending myself unto you, they immediately want to accuse you of commending yourself, puffing yourself up. And this is probably, remember, we talked about his sorrowful visit? He had gone back and he says, I didn't come back to you because the last time I was there, it broke my heart. And it was probably that sorrowful visit is what he's talking about. That people were accusing him of not having integrity and in lack of his integrity, and there's another chapter here I'll show you later, but but they accused him in the congregation of preaching a gospel of grace for sexual favor. Okay? And nobody in the church defended him. Now think about that for a second. There's no church in Corinth if Paul don't walk in. And here all of a sudden someone accuses. And it's like I said, attacking integrity, you don't have to have any, any kind of proof. You can just throw it out there. We see it all over the place. Paul wants us to understand that it is not about self. It's not about our sake. Why? It is about the danger of division. And we have to watch that. You know, I I remember years ago, before I was in leadership in this church, this church would grow numerically 150 to 200, and then it would split. And you'd start back down low again, and it'd grow back up, grow back up, grow up, get back to about 150, 200, and split. And then, of course, the people who left got mad, and they'd run off, and they'd start the 66th Baptist Church in Castle Rock, okay? That all started out of this one. And I kept looking at that, and I kept saying, you know what? God says to multiply, and the Baptists believe they divide. (laughs) I I mean, I I couldn't understand it. I was like, well, there's a mathematical problem with the church. That's the problem. And, And I never seen anything like it. And so that's one of our last, well, our last split, actually. we shifted from a congregational government to elders. Okay, and guess what? It hasn't happened since. That doesn't mean that the elders haven't been accused. Okay, and those people got mad and took their toys somewhere else. All right, but you didn't have the church split. Okay, you would have some families that would leave. And one of the things that I've understood is that if you have that division, then spiritual growth stops. Okay, because the supernaturally empowered teachers, nobody trusts. So how are you going to grow if the supernaturally empowered people you ain't listening to? The Apostle Paul understood this. Okay, and once you stop spiritual growth on the individual and collective basis, guess what? What's evangelism do? It's a non-existent entity. It's non-existent. Okay, now then, I want you to keep this in mind. Verse 12 says we are not commending ourselves to you. All right. He's not building a case for himself. All right. I also want you to understand this. He's not building an argument for his enemies. Please understand this. All right. He's trying to arm his friends. Look what he says there. Verse 12. But we are giving you an occasion to be proud of us. You got to be real careful with this. All right. You take your friends and you give them the information for their conscience. So they remember who and what you did. And then your friends defend you. Because the accusers, the critics are going to go to the congregation at large and try to discredit the teacher without his presence. And when they do that, there's still enough of his friends in the congregations who can say, but I remember Paul when. And they can shut the critics down. It is an awesome thing to watch. I have seen it happen. And what happens is if you get somebody's new in the congregation, right, and they come into your church. And there's just something about them. And they start talking about the leadership. If the congregation is armed with truth, they stop it before it goes anywhere. And they, the accusers leave. They go find fertile ground. It's really cool when it works. And yes, I have seen it work. All right. I do not defend, Paul is telling you and I, I do not defend my integrity for my enemy's sake. Okay? That's no good. I'm not going to try to sit my enemies down and explain to them that what they're seeing is goofy. Okay? I, you know what? Those who accuse me of coming out of the liquor store, you know what? They never said a word to me. Because if they'd have said a word to me, I would say, I was in there another time too because I had to drop the bill off. And then the guy called me, and I had to go in there, and you're not going to believe it, a third time to pick up my money. Okay? Now, if they'd asked me, I could say, I'm changing out the lights for the guy. I'll go back again and drop off a bill, and I'll go back again and get paid. But see, they don't ask those questions. They just said, "Hey, in a liquor store. Goofy. But see, they don't want that. They're not looking for truth. They're looking to criticize. Okay? Be real careful. Hey, there's a bar over in Franktown. Every once in a while, you're going to see me in it. Sorry. That's where I drop all my parts off that I'm selling. It's a biker bar, and they buy motorcycle parts. It's crazy. All right? All right? But you know what? <laughs> it's better than the internet. I don't trust the internet. You guys can. I don't get my ID stolen <laughs> over there. <laughs> all right. But see, if you try to debate your enemies or your accusers, all they're going to do is take the material that you give them, and they're going to twist it and use it against you. Or his pride's in a way, or he wouldn't be defending himself. Why? You've got to watch your integrity. See, listen. The enemies, the accusers, the critics, they have an agenda. They have an agenda. Um, let me give you a text, and you should write this one down and keep it because uh, <laughs> you will have to use it. Comes out of 2 Timothy chapter 2. What the Apostle Paul is telling you, he lived. Okay. Chapter 2, verse 24 and following. He says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, Hmm. but be kind to all, able to teach, and then here's the one that they should have left out, patient when wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, then look at the key to this, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth, guess what? If God doesn't open their eyes, you ain't. That they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive to him to do his will. Now, nobody gets up in the morning and says, Today, I'm going to go do the devil's will. I hope not, anyway. (laughs) But there are times when we allow our emotions and our flesh to get us into a place that we think we have an idea of what's going on. And all of a sudden we take off. And the Apostle Paul says, I've been through this, Timothy. I will warn you, don't quarrel over it. Perhaps God will bring them to repentance. You know, it is tough for a person to come to repentance if they're going to make an accusation of the leadership. But they won't talk to the leadership. Okay, I've already told people, I tell them over and over and over and over again, your opinion is of great value to you. But when it all boils down to it, what does God say? And if you disagree with what I'm saying, bring scripture to bear and let us reason together. This isn't hard. I am not perfect. I am not an expert. I am not a know-it-all. If I get something wrong, bring Scripture to bear to say, you missed it. But see, I don't see people doing that. They just want to stir something up. You know, I just don't trust Him. See, the enemies and the critics, no matter what you say, they're going to use it against you unless God brings them to repentance, and I know that God's not working on them because they won't come and let's talk about it. And, and and you'll hear this: the enemies say, "I'm not going to go talk to them because we are more objective than those we are accusing." They do it, and that's what Paul's doing. That's why he tells Timothy, God grant them repentance. Why? Because they're going to think they've got it all figured out. You can never effectively argue with your critics. Okay? So, if I can't get my critics swayed, the wiser move is to arm your friends so that they are more effective To defend you. The ones that you... If you want to know about me, go talk to the people who've been with me for years and years and years and years. Because they'll tell you, yeah, he's got shortcomings. He's got lots of them. But the thing is, he doesn't hide from them. That's why Paul uses that phrase in 2 Corinthians 5.12. That you can boast on our behalf. You can be proud of us. Okay. The word literally means. We translate it. Some of your translations will call it boast. Some will be that you'll be proud of us. It really means to be able to speak truth about someone. I like that. I like that. Because. The Corinthian base foundation knew that Paul was a man of integrity. They knew that Paul was a man of honesty. They had been with him for 18 months, day and night. They were his co-labors and co-labors give an answer to the accusers. Okay. There are some in the church who attend the church and that's it. I do not classify them as co-laborers. They just attend the church. They're there. They show up. There are some in the church that I classify as co-laborers. Now, you want to know truth about the leadership, you have to talk to them. You don't talk to a church attender. You talk to a church co-laborer. And when they have been exposed to the teachers, the leadership then they can give the answers. And they don't make them up. Why? No, I have been with them. I have walked with them. I have, you know, hung out with them. I've worked with them. We have labored for the cause of Christ together through stress, through blessing, through tribulation. And I know what He is. That's what He's trying to say. I want you, Corinthians... To be proud of us. To speak truth of us. Listen. Most of the Corinthians. Many of the Corinthians. Knew enough to defend Paul. Okay. There's no reason not to defend Paul. um, On his integrity. On his honesty. And yet. Yet. I don't know of a greater heartache when friends don't defend. Second Corinthians or Second Timothy chapter four, Paul at his judgment before the Roman council made this statement No one stood with me. He had no defenders. And it's the last letter the Apostle Paul wrote, Second Timothy. And he said, then there was nobody there stood with me to give evidence of my integrity, my honesty, and who I am. But he does make this statement. The Lord was there. Paul to the Corinthians is saying, you are my friends. You know my life. The knowledge is in your conscience. How can you question the integrity? Why do you listen to the critics of my integrity? He, does, You know what? They said he's not much to look at. I guarantee you he wasn't. He'd already been stoned. Dude, they didn't have plastic surgery there. That was one hard to look at dude. Okay? He didn't dress eloquent. Okay? They said he couldn't really turn a phrase. He wasn't a great orator. He wrote weighty letters. And yet, why would you listen to critics who said that? I know some great speakers. I wouldn't want to follow them through the pearly gates because they're going through the wrong door. This letter, Paul... Now, you know what's cool about this? I was thinking about this. This letter arms the Corinthians so you can come to his defense. You know what's cool about this letter? The Corinthians would have come together for one Sunday. The accusers are all being scattered and mingled among all of those who love Paul. And then the... Pastor would have got up and read this letter. Woohoo! Talk about uncomfortable. I mean, that would have been, hey, hey he's talking to you. <laughs> you ever seen a, Seen them messages when you talk about man and a woman and a woman's going, he's at hey, you. <laughs> okay? But I, I, I just, I thought, man, you talk about an exciting Sunday worship. We have a letter from the Apostle Paul i like to read it. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> These are little things in my life I enjoy. Um, then, then, then you go back to your text there. He, he points out who the accusers are at the end of verse twelve. See what it says? I want you to be proud of us we 're not committing ourselves we're not trying to we 're not doing it for our sakes we 're doing it for your sake, so you 're armed to take the accusations to have an answer he says, for those. Who take pride in appearance and not in heart. That's an interesting statement. He points out the enemies. The false. As Jesus would call them, the whitewashed tombs with dead bones inside. They look good on the outside. He says, these are the true accusers." Now you know i 've had people I was reading some commentaries on this, and they said, do they, do we were these Judaizers?" Um, very possible. I mean, if you look at the church that was birthed in Corinth, it came out of the synagogues, <laughs> so um, probably had some upset Jews running around. Um uh, Judaizers basically way I perceive them is ceremony over substance, okay um, Acts eighteen shows you the birth of the church in Corinth, and you see that he went into the uh the synagogue and just made the leadership mad. But the truth of the matter is the issue isn 't whether these are Judaizers it 's any form of false, okay. I don't know. He doesn't give me the group here. But. This is the way the false work. Why? I got to make you distrust the shepherd and therefore I can scatter the flock. And they do it with. Great frequency. That is the foundation of their deception. Um, it says, those who take pride in appearance. And it literally has to do with parading. Uh, some of you remember Henry Piointech, And I remember one time a, a young man went by us. And uh, if you all remember Henry, he was all bent over like this. He looked up like that and put his head back down. and said, what a peacock. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't think he was commending him. <laughs> but I, I have had to deal with. With spiritual peacocks. Um, they, they want to parade their holiness. They, they want to show off their spirituality. They want to show you godliness. And, and they do it in all kinds of strange ways. Um, and, and I don't really want to get into all of the ways. They are the ones who claim to have real truth. Um, you'll hear him say well that wasn't a bad message but he should have gone deeper or okay (laughs) sounds right to me that's what I was always thinking but every time I go deeper I have to hold my breath and I get just about drowned but their hearts betray him because they're parading it the greatest spiritual giants that I have ever been exposed to are the most humble people I've ever sat down and talked to. I have had the privilege to sit at a dinner table with some of the most powerful preachers that this country has ever seen. And you know what? And I mean, they've got these massive ministries, massive churches, and they all want to know what I'm doing. And I'm sitting there going, trying to pick up your shoe. And, and I've never seen anything like it. They, they're not concerned about them. They want to know what you're doing. And I, they're across the board. R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, Stephen Ofer, Adrian Rogers, David Jeremiah. Go down the list. And they're all not concerned about what book they're publishing or what is their radio broadcast or we're thinking about going on television or we're going to go meet with Billy Graham or we're going to do none of that. How are you doing? They don't parade their spirituality. They are humble men who have an awe of God. They step out. They shine. Uh, hypocrisy is, is <laughs> it's so normal that when you don't see it, you're kind of in like, what happened? <laughs> tell me I'm wrong you know I have heard this if I had a nickel every time I heard this I'd be a very wealthy man I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites right you know what that's like saying I'm not going to live on the planet earth because it's full of hypocrites where are you going to go the moon here let me get you a ticket okay okay that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, there's hypocrites in the church. And you know what? They're usually strutting their spirituality like a peacock. Okay. And as soon as they do that, I understand that they have a very serious problem. But that's all right. Pride comes before the? And God has never let me down on that. Okay. And Paul is saying he wants the Corinthians to answer the real hypocrites. The ones who claim they have real truth. The ones who claim, I am truly godly. It's like the guys who would say, you know, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. And of course, you got the real spiritual. I'm of Christ. Oh, you make me sick. We all are. And I watch this over and over and over and over. And I see it all the time. I hear people tell me, says, well, I'm a Messianic Jew. And I go, what the heck is that? Well, I believe in Jesus. Well, that makes me a Messianic Gentile. <laughs> do, do you see what I mean? Well, you know, I have a spirit-filled Bible. What is mine? <laughs> but you, you get this all the time, and and you see it all. Uh, let me tell you how spiritual I am. You know, I give up coffee for Lent. <laughs> Happy for you. <laughs> What'd you give up? Nothing. <laughs> And you know what I, I gave up the same thing I do every July, January 1st. What resolutions do you make? The one that I always keep not to make any resolutions. And I fulfill them every year. I, that's the silliest stuff I've ever heard. See, I am more concerned about ceremony. Okay, what he says here, I take pride in appearance, not in heart. Okay, that stands out, people. That stands out because there are so few who do. So few who do. These are whitewashed tombs with dead men's bones inside. Listen, God knows the heart. And Paul says we must arm our conscience. And that's how we defend against the accusers, the critics. Golly, if I had a, a nickel for every critic... That I have. And I mean, they say, well, he doesn't talk in complete sentences. Why has he got a beard? I can't understand. I mean, every once in a while i say, where did he get that tie? And I I tell everybody, if somebody gives me a tie, I'm wearing it. Okay? I don't care what it looks like. Because I had people say, did you spill something on it? No, that's just the way it looks. Okay? And I know some of you will say, but there's certain shirts you shouldn't wear with that tie. <laughs> it makes everybody think you have got some kind of... Because I have people ask that. Will you wear a jacket and tie? huh? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, we can be casual now. Yeah. Or we can wear a shirt and tie. <laughs> you know what? I've learned that those who are older than me will listen to a man in a shirt and tie. Those biker guys will listen to me if I'm in a shirt and tie. Hey, got her covered. I don't have a problem. Now then, when I'm riding my motorcycle, I do not wear a tie. (laughs) I do draw the line at certain places. If those who know him don't defend him, then the false critics will divide and that will always destroy the church. Okay. 2 Corinthians 6, 8 says, By glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regard as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying yet behold we live, as punished yet not put to death." As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. Our mouth has opened, has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. You see the battle that was existing in that church. If people speak evil of the leadership in the church. They will immediately try to get others to listen. And if they do that. What they will try to accomplish is. Let me get you to doubt the integrity. Of the shepherd. When that happens. The spiritual growth of that church stops immediately. Its effect in the community is stopped immediately. And you know what happens to the flock? It scatters. And I have seen that more times than I ever want to think about. I do not expect it to go away until the second coming of Christ. But the attack is always there. I can get to attack the integrity of the shepherd. And guess what? I can scatter the flock. And one of the tragedies, I think, that exists in the body of Christ is is the, the shortness of ministry that too many in leadership have. And the congregation doesn't know the shepherd. So when the accusation comes, when the critics come, and if the man stands on truth, they're coming. The congregation can't defend him. And when that happens, his integrity is questioned. He is now ineffectual in that body of believers. Okay? Now, a little footnote there are some whose integrity needs to be in question. Okay? I I agree. Okay? Um, But in most cases that I have seen uh, where good men of God, strong men of God, Have stood on truth. They weren't in the fellowship long enough. That when the critics showed up. They couldn't do anything for him. They wouldn't defend him. And I see it with the apostle Paul. At his last hearing on this planet. Who was there to defend him? Nobody. And yet was there any greater shepherd. Among the people of God. Than the apostle Paul. I can't think of any. I can't think of any. Paul understood this. Now we need to understand that. Okay? Because um, some of you that I've been with a lot, um, a long time, um, you've seen me be attacked. I've been criticized. I've been people, and I've been accused of some insane things. And um, there's no basis for it. Just let me make the accusation. I remember one time when I took the pulpit here as early in my ministry, that there was a whole group that was in the Sunday school that were telling nobody to go to church because I shouldn't be at the pulpit. And they were trying to get people not to come up out of the Sunday school class for the worship service. Because if we don't do that, then they won't be an offering. He can't get paid and he can't stay there. And you're sitting there going, that's, i I'll plumb crazy. Okay. And that was early in my ministry. And I've had better than that since then. But one of the things that I do not do, I will not defend myself. Okay. The only defense that I have is compare the fruit. Okay. That's, that's all I got to say. Okay. If they want to attack my integrity, they can attack my integrity. Fine. I will do my best to defend it because of my fear for my Lord and because I want to see the unity in the church. Next week, I will show you that is because of truth that you worry about integrity. Paul understood that. I understand that. I pray that each and every one of you understand it. Let's pray. Father, to your glory and praise. Thank you. Father, ministry is a task not for the weak hearted. Lord, I pray that you do not let us become faint. And Father, that we run and that we strive for the task that is at hand. Father, may each of us who are here this day walk worthy of our calling. May we do it because of our fear of you, our awe of you. And Father, out of reverence for you. Father, thank you for the privilege of being a servant of the Most High God. And Father, thank you for hemming us in from behind, from the side and front. Wherever we go, you are there. And I praise you for that. Father, may each of us be men and women of integrity. And Father, with humble hearts before a holy God, use us up, pour us out as drink offerings to the glory of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Christ's name. Amen.